great seeing you, Dominic. You know, when people ask me what have I been doing in the city, I say you need to talk to Dominic Carter because you've been covering me for almost 30 years now. Nice to be with you, Dominic. I think you are really in a very, very high league. And I watch some of your competitors on, frankly, the national shows, and I say, why aren't you doing a national show? Because I really think your delivery and your questioning wow. and your brain power is really at the highest level. So that's good. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Well, it is an honor to be sitting in for a New York legend today. Andrew Giuliani sitting in for Dominic Carter. And, uh, man, we got a whole lot to cover and only an hour to cover it. Uh, I want to talk about the Attorney General of the United States of America, Merrick Garland, might be the senior Biden official in the Hunter Biden IRS whistleblower claim. A real bombshell here. You're talking about obstruction of justice. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes here. I want to also break down an op-ed a couple days ago written by Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers. Uh, It it was absolutely appalling, and I was reading this op-ed, and I was like, I think this came out of the fiction section. I could not believe the amount of gaslighting that Randy Weingarten was doing. I actually just on my podcast, Not That Andrew, which you can get on Red Apple Podcast Network, had a couple of weeks ago Corey DeAngelis, who is at the head of the school choice movement. He has now been pushing for legislation in state after state to have universal school choice, which means vouchers, which means actually bringing the free market into education. So that's something I want to cover. By the way, Big news. Larry Elder has now announced, I believe, is the sixth candidate announced for president of the United States. You know, I'm interested if uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Trump if he basically gave Trump a heads up and Trump did a did a thumbs up. I think Trump wants many, many people in there. And by the way, how about those New York Rangers getting a lopsided victory tonight? Five to one over those other guys from the west side of the Hudson River, the New Jersey Devils. That's right. It was five one again. Uh, we'll talk a couple of minutes about that. We're uh, we're not sports talk here, but you know I got to cover when the New York Rangers are up two zero in the first round of the playoffs against the New Jersey Devils and looking like they can be real Stanley Cup contenders this year. And by the way, we're still taking your calls at one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. So keep those phone lines lit up because uh, I want to hear from you guys tonight. Um, Also, going in and uh, listening to Rita last hour, Rita Cosby, who does a great job at the 5 o'clock hour with John Katz and Matides on Katz and Cosby. Um, But she had John Solomon on, and they were covering the beginning, the derivation of the intelligence letter from the former Obama CIA acting director, uh, as directed by the Biden campaign, spectacularly well. So they did such an amazing job with this. So I'm not going to dig any further into that story because really she spent most of the last hour, including a couple of uh, calls, which I thought were well-informed and a couple that were not well-informed and Rita let us know which ones were not. Um, but, uh, But the only thing that I'll add to that without going too much deeper is that if the press corps actually was independent and if they asked the right questions in October of 2020 about not only who drafted the letter and their motivations, but who signed the letter rather than the media being in cahoots with the draftees of the letter and trying to 
do everything they possibly could to make the case that it was Russian disinformation, which we know it wasn't. And honestly, we were screaming from the hilltops at the time that it wasn't. Then we would have known about this before November 3rd. But that's the media being complicit, uh, sadly, in our state of affairs rather than actually being independent and questioning, because that's, I think, really the real difference in what we're seeing now politically than uh, what we used to see. I, I know so many former journalists, former journalists, journalists uh, that still talk about the importance of being independent, how they pride themselves in that. I think about my mother as a great example. You could not, if you listen to my mother question somebody, you could not interview subject. You could not tell what her political leadings are, period. And she takes tremendous pride in that. And that's really what journalism should be. So kudos to Rita, to John Katzmatidis, and to uh, John Solomon, who is truly one of the one of the great investigative reporters uh, out there today for uh, an incredible job. But I, I want to get to uh, what I think is, is a massive bombshell, which is the Attorney General of the United States of America, Merrick Garland, uh, is the senior Biden official in the Hunter Biden IRS uh, whistleblower claim, according to the whistleblower. And I'll give credit to uh, Stephen Nelson of the New York Post, who writes a great article about this. But uh, remember, this is the same Merrick Garland who DOJ released a memo claiming that parents who express their concerns about their children may be considered domestic terrorists. Think about that. Parents that actually step up at school board meetings that may disagree with what's going on in the curriculum may be considered domestic terrorists. You remember they did that in Virginia, and that was actually one of the main reasons why uh, McAuliffe, who was the former governor of Virginia, uh, I think lost. But they ended up uh, at a school board meeting claiming that a guy whose daughter was raped, was raped in the women's bathroom by a man who was identifying as a woman, uh, they claimed that this guy was uh, a basically uh, terrorizing the school board meeting, even though he was just expressing what really anybody with common sense felt, which is they should not be in there, and where are the repercussions for the student. Instead, the student they sent to another school, and he ended up actually doing another sexual assault also in the girls' bathroom. So unbelievable that this stuff gets swept under the rug as well. But it's also the same Merrick Garland, whose son is profiting from many of the new DEI education materials in school. Huh. I wonder why he'd want to shut up parents who are outspoken. I wonder why. I can't figure it out. Oh, I did just figure it out. His son's profiting off of that. That must run in the Biden administration. It seems like in the Biden administration, they just... Really profit. I should. You know what? My father should have been a Democrat. I could have made a lot of money as as a first son, uh, or I should have been an artist. Maybe that's what it was. I, I guess that's it. Now you know what? I won't be able to look in the mirror at myself. But uh, I, it would be it would be a much more expensive mirror. That's for sure. That that is for sure. Um, but this is the same Merrick Garland whose Department of Justice has no interest in nudging radical leftist DAs to prosecute actual criminals. Think about that. We have a district attorney, as has been well covered, as I have talked about numerous times here in Manhattan, and by the way, all over the country in Philadelphia, that don't want to actually prosecute criminals. They instead want to do the political bidding of the left. It's the same district attorney who gave the okay to raid Mar-a-Lago. 
Uh, so that's who we're dealing with here. But let me dig a little bit into this because I think it was uh, when we talk about I think about my time in the Trump administration and in the White House and how obstruction of justice was thrown around on like a daily basis in the media. I remember hearing the white noise on it and, and I was just like there is there's no there there on this stuff. And it was just it was a matter of trying to throw up these flares to distract from I thought what was the great work that President Trump and, and the administration and, and his White House, which I was honored to, to serve in, uh, did. Um, but the Attorney General of the United States of America, Merrick Garland, who is the unnamed official whose sworn testimony before Congress is being challenged in a bombshell letter from an IRS whistleblower's attorney that also alleges a cover-up in the Hunter Biden criminal investigation. Attorney Mark Lytle, who is the attorney for this IRS whistleblower, wrote to wrote Wednesday that the longtime IRS employee wants to provide information to congressional leaders to contradict sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee. We found out today. So the new news today is that senior official, I'd say, is about as senior as it gets in the DOJ, the attorney general, Merrick Garland. Uh, the whistleblower has already made disclosures to the inspector general, the Treasury and Justice Departments. Uh, in the IRS whistleblower's letter, letter, Lytle, the whistleblower's attorney, wrote Wednesday to congressional committee leaders that, quote, despite serious risk of retaliation, my client is offering to provide you with information necessary to exercise your constitutional oversight. Now, I'll get to that retaliation part in a minute because uh, it didn't take but 24 hours to see how exactly Hunter's lawyer is trying to retaliate on this. Uh, I'll continue on. Garland has repeatedly claimed under oath that Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, appointed by Trump but recommended by Delaware's two Democratic senators, is able to criminally charge Hunter Biden without the permission of other Justice Department leaders, despite Republicans challenging the factual accuracy of that claim. There are two senators in particular that asked Garland about this. One is Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee, uh, where Garland said, I quote in response to Haggerty, because I'll get to it, quote, there will not be interference of any political or improper uh, improper kind in the investigation of Hunter Biden led by Weiss. He is the supervisor of this investigation, adding that we put the investigation in the hands of a Trump appointee from the previous administration who is the U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware, and you have made me as the attorney general who is committed to the independence of the Justice Department, okay, from an influence from the White House in criminal matters. Then, just last month, Chuck Grassley, who I actually spent a little time with in Iowa during the 2016 Trump campaign, uh, asked Garland to clarify his concerns, to which Garland replied that Weiss, the district attorney, the U.S. attorney from Delaware, is able to charge Hunter Biden even for crimes that occurred outside of Delaware. Quote, the U.S. attorney in Delaware has been advised that he has full authority to make those kinds of referrals that you're talking about or to bring cases in other jurisdictions if he feels it's necessary. And I will assure that if he does, he will be able to do that, the AG said. Now, Grassley pressed back. Does the Delaware the U.S. attorney lack independent charging authority over certain criminal allegations against the president's son outside of the District of Delaware? The AG responded, 
if it's in another district, he would have to bring the case in another district. But as I said, I've and this is the key part. I've promised to ensure he's able to carry out his investigation and that he'll be able to run it. And if he needs to bring it in another jurisdiction, he will have the full authority to do that. There's more of a back and forth, but that's really the key point in all this. If Garland did actually get involved in this and did actually put his thumb on the scales, uh, which looking at all of his past actions certainly would not surprise me if he did that. Let's actually see the whistleblower's claim on this. Um, But that's obstruction of justice. And you're looking at a felony charge for lying to Congress, of which Garland, uh, I think, should be taken up on if, again, let's see the whistleblower's uh, let's see the actual whistleblower statement on this and let's see what it says, because that's a very important point. I don't want to jump to that conclusion yet. Uh, but like I said, uh, where there's smoke, there many times is fire. And you could just see uh, Garland steps in this in terms of what he did regarding parents, how he's been involved politically with the Mar-a-Lago raid and everything involving Trump. Uh, and remember, he has a chip on his shoulder because Uh, You have a Republican Senate that would not hear his uh, that would not bring him up uh, for a hearing for the Supreme Court. So this is a guy who I think politically uh, is very motivated right now. Um, But the anonymous whistleblower has since early 2020 supervised the IRS's investigation of Hunter Biden for alleged tax evasion and related crimes linked to the 53-year-old's foreign income from countries, including China and Ukraine. Weiss's office reportedly is considering related charges against the first son involving money laundering and unregistered foreign lobbying, plus lying about drug use on a gun purchase form. So you could see if the Attorney General of the United States uh, did in any way uh, get their thumb involved in this, uh, put their thumb on the scales Uh, that it would be a a major problem and certainly uh, obstruction of justice at the least here. But I I mentioned before how the whistleblower was concerned with retaliation. Well, you don't have to look any further than the statement that Hunter Biden's attorney made today. He sounds like a mob attorney, by the way. It's a felony for an IRS agent to improperly disclose information about an ongoing tax investigation, said Uh, Biden's attorney. The IRS has incredible power and abusing that power by targeting, embarrassing or disclosing information about a private citizen's tax matters undermines Americans faith in the federal government. Unfortunately, that is what has happened and is happening here in an attempt to harm my client. That is a pure intimidation tactic that he basically did. He didn't refute any of the potential claims. Obviously, he'll have time to potentially do that. Um, But if you think about it, Think about how much the media loved, loved whistleblowers during the Trump administration. They held them up so high. They they loved them. They loved uh, they they loved the the guy who wrote the anonymous letter, who then ended up writing a book. Um, Any whistleblower they loved. And by the way, there was no there there with anything the whistleblowers were pushing during the Trump administration. It'll be very interesting to see how the leftist media covers this. Uh, I, I don't say mainstream media anymore because, really, it, it, they're, so, they're so obvious in their political beliefs that they're just not mainstream. So I, I call them the leftist media because if you look at most of the people in that White House press briefing room 
as somebody who spent a lot of time with Kaylee McEnany, spent a lot of time with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, with Sean Spicer, the press secretaries under President Trump, and saw how much they prepared, how rigorous the job of press secretary was, one of the toughest jobs in the administration. It is unbelievable to see how first Jen Psaki and now Jean-Pierre have been treated as press secretaries. They are just every single day have the easiest questions. Aside from Ducey and the one gentleman who covers for the Africa press, um, they don't get any tough questions. And it's it's. It's got to be shameful if you're a member of the White House press corps to actually look at that. Uh, And you can't actually sleep at night thinking that you're doing your job. Uh, But going back to the letter again, uh, going back to the attorney general, Merrick Garland, uh, and the client, the IRS whistleblower, uh, I want to just say the final thing here with all this because uh, I think his – uh, his lawyer sums this up well, that uh, Lytle called the Clark statement really unfortunate. Clark is uh, Biden's lawyer, Hunter Biden's lawyer, in an interview on Fox News. My client wrestled with whether or not to come forward. He had a lot of sleepless nights about coming forward with this. At the end of the day, he decided that he could not live with himself if he stayed quiet and said nothing. And you got to remember, too, the action that they took so they would not – uh, this would not be political as they reached out to an equal amount of Republican and Democratic senators because they wanted to make sure that both sides of the aisle had this information as soon as possible because they did not they, they didn't believe uh, Lytle's client did not believe that this is political. He believed that this is something that was uh, important for the nation to know. Um, so he's coming forward, but he knows that he's going to be attacked, as we saw already from Hunter's lawyer. And, you know, attacks like this are kind of what he was worried about. But he wants to come forward to tell the truth. I'll end this there. But, again, I'll just say that uh, how many times did the media claim that Trump's DOJ obstructed justice? You know, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago that uh, the media loved whistleblowers. But they loved every day obstruction of justice. And I know I said that before. But, again, as I'm reading this, I just kind of remember these individual times throughout the White House when it was just uh, another Trump is obstructing justice. He's obstructing justice. So uh, to me, reading this, um, I you know, there's there's part of me that really hopes that the attorney general did not get involved. But I'm not naive. So I I I sadly think that uh that they have i mean again just look at the just look at the letter from the uh intelligence officials uh everything that they have done has been political uh when you talk about our children's education this is something i want to cover a little bit in the next segment but uh randy weingarten the american federation of teachers has been uh, a prolific democratic donor and they do nothing but play politics but before we go to break let's get to a couple of calls because uh, i want to make sure we're we're engaging with you tonight because i'm uh I, you know what even with this which is very frustrating uh i'm on a little bit of a high because the Rangers are up to nothing in, in the series we'll talk a little bit about that next segment let's go to line one joe and jericho joe how you doing on this early friday morning andrew my friend you're doing a great job Keep up the great work. Thank you, Joe. The bottom line is, is I have never seen so much corruption in our greatest 
government in world history. Yeah. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Biden is a, is a psychotic. He's a crook. His son, Hunter, sold drugs in the military. Mm-hmm. He should be doing 25 years to life in Leavenworth. He should have been dishonorably discharged. Instead, Andrew, he gets a talk show and $3 billion from communist China, communist Russia, and from the Ukraine corrupt. And the bottom line is his whole family are corrupt. Jerk Joe arranged for his two brothers and sisters to make money off of dead Americans, allies, Italians, Poles, who served with us in Afghanistan and Iraq. Even before that, when they were over in uh, Bosnia, Croatia, etc., when he was senator. He is a modern-day Caligula. He's a modern-day Nero. He's an absolute disgrace. Hunter should be in jail. Joe should be in jail. And I want it to be Trump. DeSantis and kick Joe Biden and Harris's or whatever he picks or running mate. <laughs> well, I want them. Well, Joe, thank you for the, that. First off, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. And I got to tell you, um, you know, the thing, as you've alluded to, the bottom line on all this. It's not even the fact that they're profiting off of this. That's heartbreaking in its own right. It's the fact that they're profiting and selling out American taxpayers and they're selling out American secrets. When you think about our relationship with China, when you think about the fact that we abandoned the Bagram Air Force Base and then you think about the money that they have profited from China. Remember, Bagram's 400 miles away from the borders of China. Now we're looking for Air Force bases a thousand miles away because that was a strategic location. When you think about what they've done from a national security perspective, what they've done from an economic perspective, what they've done from a borders perspective, and how many people, people that I know that have dealt with this fentanyl poisoning, uh, it is disgusting and heartbreaking, and it's why we need you know warriors like yourself who are going to continue to come and speak out. But uh, let's go to another caller, Susan from Brooklyn on line three. Susan, how you doing this Friday morning? Well, now that I'm listening to you, I just got my second win. Oh, well, thank so you. To hear from you. And um, you, when, um, you, I think you broke news tonight, at least from my standpoint, that Larry Elder is now entering the presidential race, obviously as a Republican. Yeah. And I actually think this is a positive mm-hmm. because, um, well, just like when Ben Carson, well, of course, Ben Carson was in before Donald Trump announced and um but that I think that they can they have many common interests, especially I and I believe and you were such a strong um you know, voice. Um your very first day I remember you came out with a video talking about, you know, charter schools and yeah. raising the cap and um using leverage, which um Donald Trump got charter schools um passed in uh, Washington, D.C. Obama didn't do it. Clinton's, none of the Bushes. And uh, you probably know more of the details about that. Yeah. And I think you would be a great press tra- secretary in the next administration, oh, which you. is going to be Donald Trump. Well, uh, Susan, thank you very much for the call. You know, when when you talk about uh, school choice, uh, like I said, I, I know I plugged it before, but I would really listen to this guy, Corey DeAngelis, and, and I had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago. You can see it on my social media feeds, Andrew H. Giuliani, or you can go to 
Red Apple Podcast Network or WABCRadio.com uh, and go on to the podcast stuff. But, I mean, he really breaks it down and gets granular in terms of uh, what they're doing from state to state, how they're looking at different legislatures. Obviously, a state like New York is not one of the states that they're targeting because we know the legislature, the assembly, and the state senate are two super majorities for the Democrats. So they would never get even, you know, anything uh, into committee hearings, forget about out of committee uh, when you're talking about the legislative process. But there's targeting these states. And I really think it's one of the reasons why you're seeing the population move from the New Yorks, from the Illinois, from the New Jersey's, from the Californias to the Tennessee's, to the Texas's, to the Florida's. Uh, because, look, we know it's crime. We know from an economic standpoint uh, you want to make sure that uh, your dollar is going to go further in a place like Florida or Texas, and also the fact that you're going to get taxed less. Uh, the government is less involved in your life. But also now you're seeing younger people and younger families move because, frankly, you're not dealing with some of the BS that you're dealing with in the New York school systems uh, in the Floridas or in the Texases. And, by the way, it, some of the private schools in New York might even be worse than the public schools from a curriculum standpoint. So uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, so let's go to uh, let's go to Jacqueline on line five. Wants to make a comment about Garland. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you? I'm good, Andrew. Good morning to you. Good morning. And I have to tell you. I'm always so happy when I have the opportunity to speak with you. Before I make my point, I have to embarrass you, and I have to tell you, you are my favorite. I think you are such an eloquent speaker. You are brilliant. You are the best combination of both your mother and, of course, your father. And I'm going to be 58 this summer. I'm not going to pay you for this. I just really appreciate the genuine comment. Thank you very much, though. That means a lot. You can repay me by making me a promise. I hope that you will give me the opportunity in my lifetime, and as I said, I'm going to be 58 this summer, Mm -hmm. to be able to cast my vote for you for president of the United States. Well, Um, well, well, thank you, Jack. you'd make a fabulous president. That's that's very flattering. (laughs) um, What I wanted to say about uh, Joe Blow, as I refer to him, and Meritless Garland, as I refer to him. (laughs) That's good. I like that. I like that. You pointed out so many things. Uh, in addition to those things that you pointed out, Meritless Garland also was the one who attacked good Christian innocent people that were simply praying and speaking out at crisis yeah. pregnancy centers. They were treated like criminals. Uh, and they are, he, he is the epitome of the, the Biden crime family. Yeah. Um, and treason, espionage, wire fraud, tax evasion. We all know what the penalty for treason is and espionage. It's death. Um, And you know, John Gotti was taken down, not for being the head of the crime family, but for tax evasion. And I think it's about time that the Biden crime family and his entire administration go to jail and have to pay back the American taxpayer for the hundreds of billions of dollars that they have squandered Mm -hmm. frivolously on all of these ludicrous accusations. No different from when uh, Bill uh, Clinton gave China United States secrets. Well, well, Jacqueline, you hit on something that I think was really important that I missed. So I'm really glad that you did in the sense that how the DOJ has treated pro-life groups and how they've targeted them. 
so, so thank you very much for bringing that up because that was certainly something that, that I should have included in my monologue that I missed. So thank you very much for doing that. Let's do one more call before we go to break. But don't worry, if, you don't get, if you're not the one we pick on this one, we're going to come back and do some more calls over here. So let's go, with, uh, let's go to Larry in Brooklyn here who also has a comment about Garland. Hey, Larry, how you doing this morning? Hey, great. I'm doing good, Andrew. Great to speak to you. Good to speak to you. Uh, you know, I, I want to point out, you, you were mentioning about, about Garland uh, being a little bit uh, hot under the uh, collar right. for, for being rejected by the Republican Senate. Yeah. But how do you know, by the time he was chosen by Obama to break the, to the 4-4 tie after the questionable death mm-hmm. uh, that was not autopsied of, of, uh, and of the great, the great Antonin Scalia, he was chosen to break that tie. How do you know he was not compromised at that point? Because he was he was being chosen to break the tie in a case involving DACA, which would have uh, given citizenship mm-hmm. to all those that were born here, I believe, of parents that were uh, foreign parents that, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, uh, children that were born from parents that came here illegally. Now, those people, those people are not are not, you can deport them because they came from another country, but they're not exactly citizens. So once you start with those people, you're, that's the first step to undermining this country because their allegiance is only to this country by virtue of birth, not by uh, choice, not by anybody's choice. Uh, and that's a big thing. Larry, it's it's a, another great point right there. And you're right. I, I don't know if he was compromised at the time. He very well could have. I mean, certainly looking at his son, I mean, he was uh, the stuff that he's pushing from an education standpoint is radical. So, uh, you know, it certainly stepped through his family, seeped through his family. So you may very well be right and bring up a good point. Uh, but thanks for the call, Larry. Well, look, we're coming back with some more of your calls. We're talking education. And uh, I'm going to hand this off, I think, to Curtis Sleewood tonight. Curtis is probably doing another marathon over the next three days, so you're not going to want to miss that. But we got another half hour. Andrew Giuliani in the New York Groove. Come on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, that makes me happy hearing that. The New York Rangers up two to nothing in the series against the Jersey Devils. Uh, another five to one victory. Two more power play goals from Chris Kreider today. There was a moment. I'll tell you what. The Jersey in the first period, they were up one nothing. They won the first period, and a couple minutes into the second period, there was an incredible save that the goalie for the Rangers, Shesterkin, made. Uh, that. Really, I think, was one of those momentum moments. In sports, this also actually, believe it or not, happens in debates, in politics. But there's little momentum moments that end up happening 
Uh, you can go as far as uh, think about in 2016. Think about Rubio and Chris Christie when uh, Chris Christie basically decimated Rubio's campaign in about 90 seconds. Up until that moment, uh, Rubio was looking like a very, very strong candidate, but he basically, Christie kind of showed him to be uh, a robot in that. Uh, but Shesterkin makes this amazing save a couple minutes into the second period, and the Rangers come back and score five unanswered goals. They're playing in the Garden on Saturday night, Game 3. Uh, I don't want to say let's get the brooms out yet because I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but let's get another strong effort out there, and let's let's bury these Jersey Devils. I, I think for me it's also – I went to high school in New Jersey, so I have so many friends that are Jersey Devil fans, and uh, and so it's uh, it, it feels a little bit nicer too. It's, it's a little bit sweeter, let's say, for me than, uh, than maybe even – most Ranger fans had to hear it for them for so long, winning those cups and all that. But, uh, look, we're not sports radio, but it's a big New York story. you got the Rangers and the Devils. Um, but, look, before I get on to teachers, let's go uh, back to another call about Garland here. We've got John, who's calling in, I think, from Nev- Nevada. Is that right? John, you calling in from Nevada? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. If you did place a bet in Nevada, I hope it was on the Rangers uh, last night. Oh, I don't bet anymore. I'm a Bruins fan, by the way. Smart, well, smart man, not to, not to bet anymore. So that's good. I have a question for you, please. If uh, the obstruction of justice charge uh, does get filed against Barrett Garland. What kind of time could he be looking at for obstruction of justice? Good question with obstruction of justice. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I can tell you lying to Congress uh, could be five years that you're looking at. Uh, so five that, years. For five years. Uh, and obstruction of justice, I think the lying to Congress, again, I've got to look at actually what this whistleblower is going to say, what his testimony will be uh, to Congress. Uh, and see what the proof is that Garland may have put his thumb on the scales. Um, but I think that probably is more provable than the obstruction of justice charge. Uh, not 100% certain about that because, again, we don't have all the information at this point. Um, but I think he's looking at five years here, John. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Of course. Of course. Well, let's go to line one. Uh, do we have somebody on line one right there? Yeah, we have Mike from Myrtle Beach over there in line one. Mike, how you doing? Hey, Andrew, first time speaking to you on the phone. I got to tell you real quick, originally from Nassau County, um, I knew eight people. I was telling your dad uh, died 9-11, Oceanside and Rockwell Center. I volunteered three weeks later. It's a day I'll never forget, and I shook your father's hand. And you know what? I'm a paisan like your dad. Yeah. And you should throw your hat in the political ring because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, Andrew. Thank you, Mike. So, I appreciate uh, that. Kudos to you and uh, and raise a glass, bro. Raise a glass. Uh, oh well, right? thank thank you very much, Mike. You have you have any uh, any comments on uh, the state of well, of our country as it is? Country. Yeah, the state of our it's sort of like a bizarre Jerry Springer show. The, the donkeys and the elephants, yeah. and the worst donkey you know ever in the history is Joe Biden, and um, you know, and his son Hunter. You know, I hope they they face penalties in jail, and they're shakedown artists, uh, and shame on them for masquerading as a legitimate politician. How about that? Well said, my friend. Well said. Um, th- right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And by the way, we'll take a couple of more calls. 
So make sure you call in 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. We'll try to get to one or two more calls here today. But um, uh, while we're uh, talking about kind of the state of our country, you know, I'm a father of a almost 17-month-old daughter now. And I would say even more than crime, even more than, you know, the economy, uh, to me, I think – daily about education and about what her education is going to look like. And when I think about uh, the education system in our country, uh, and I think about who is most responsible for the learning loss that we've seen over the last few years, uh, sadly, it is the teachers union. Now, I I had actually a very good conversation uh, a couple weeks ago at the Rockaway Republican Club. I was hosted by by Tom Sullivan and Paul King at the Rockaway Republican Club. And there was a teacher there who I think is conservative, but is pro-teachers union. And uh, we, we had a very good conversation. She said that uh, she invited me to come to, the, come to their school. I accepted. Uh, we still need to get in touch. So if you are listening out there, please email WABC. I'd love to, I'd love to do that because – and I wanted to be very clear on this specifically – I think there are some really good teachers in the public school system. This is not an indictment on all public school teachers. What this is an indictment on is the fact that the unions have focused solely on keeping the worst teachers and not figuring out how to actually incentivize the better teachers. Because if you did that, if you figured out a way to incentivize scores, standards, um, then I think you would actually see an incredible learning gain instead of the learning loss uh, in our public school system. But considering what we've seen from Randy Weingarten over the last few years, uh, it's uh, sadly it's it's very depressing. And it's why, to me, I've pushed charter schools and school choice. But let me get into this op ed that she wrote, because I was reading it the other day and it was. Uh, just the entire thing looked like fiction from me. So the, the title of this is MAGA Republicans are destroying our public schools. Teachers and parents must fight back. But by, by the way, just from the title of that, from everything that I've heard from the left over the last few years, that title, according to their crazy reasoning, is, in fi- is inciting violence. Teachers and parents must fight back. So, look, we know. She doesn't mean actually physically fight back. We think she doesn't mean physically fight back. But that's their logic. That's their rationale. They've said we must fight back. And so it's uh, it's it's just the, the first part of it right there immediately uh, did that. The, the, but it, it is really shameless in the sense that the first line is gaslighting her supporters. And she says that they must effectively counter the extremist who which put their political vendettas and their ideologies ahead of children's education. I think they're talking about DeSantis and all this, and I think they're talking about uh, other conservatives who have been pro-school choice, who have been pro-charter, who have uh, been been pro-parental rights in education. Um, So as I'm reading this and as you see this article, which is so obviously political, starts off MAGA Republicans are destroying public schools, I decided to do a little bit of a dig and just figure out how much has the American Federation of Teachers 
donated to Republicans and to Democrats. Now, in 2022, they donated over $23 million to PACs and candidates. In 2020, they donated over $20 million. In 2022, the two largest recipients outside of their own uh, solidarity, AFT solidarity PAC, which they gave themselves $8.5 million, is the Senate Majority PAC, $5.2 million. Senate Majority, obviously we know Schumer is the Senate Majority Leader. And in 2022, the House Majority PAC, $5 million. As we know, in 2022, Democrats controlled the House Majority. So you're looking, and already, without having to look past the third line item in all this, you can see that 80% of their money from 2022 is treated as either their own personal slush fund or funneled directly to Democratic PACs. Wild. But let's continue because it's not only 80 percent. It's actually 99.9 percent, over 99.9 percent giving to Democrats. They gave another million for Priorities Action USA, which is a Democratic PAC. They gave 750 for the workers' vote, which is a Democratic PAC. They gave $424,000 for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. The Teachers Union gave 411000 to the DNC Services Corp. Long story short, of the $23 million, they donated $1,056 to Republicans, and all the rest, all the rest of the $23 million went to Democrats and Democratic causes. So when she talks about not being political with our, with our, with our students, uh, it's... You just have to follow the money in all this, and it's right there in front of you. Um, but anyway, uh, let's go into a couple more lines that she says here because it's just uh, maddening to me. Maybe I'll cover this a little bit more on my Sunday show at 3 o'clock because I, I want to dig in even deeper on this because, again, as I said before, education is one of those issues that has been so important to me, and I think it's one of those reasons uh, why we've seen uh, – well, we have seen the learning loss, and, and sadly it's because – of the actions that uh, that Randy Weingartner has taken over the last few years. Those values that our public schools embody include the fact that education opens doors for all, and it must be free and available to all without exception. Uh, so I read that, opens doors to all, and I thought, well, wait a second. Wasn't the teachers' union for the last two years saying that we can't open our doors, that our Students cannot come into school, even though we knew the science that those students were actually more at risk on the school bus traveling to school than they were even in the classrooms. But back then, you didn't give a damn about our kids. You didn't actually want to open the doors. You didn't want to actually make sure that those children had an opportunity to be with their peers in school. You wanted to make sure that they stayed home as long as possible, even when the science, even when the data, even when the numbers were actually showing that it was safe to get schools, to get to have these schools open. Let me get to one more thing, and we'll go to a couple more callers. All young people should have the opportunity to go to a safe, welcoming school that prepares them for college, a career, and life. Well, Randy, the learning loss in our country over the last two years has set the United States of America back three decades. Three decades. You and, sadly, the public schools for which you advocate for are not preparing 
kids for college. They're not preparing them for a career and for a life where they could be successful. They're leading them down a dead end. And uh, again, it's why we need choice in education. Uh, I'm going to cover this more on my Sunday show on WABC. Make sure you turn it, tune in at 3 p.m. on WABC. But let's go to another caller for right now. Let's go to Joe in Brooklyn. Joe, how you doing this this morning? Yeah, hi, how are you? Good, good. Go As ahead. a conservative person living in Brooklyn, I wasn't in a Democratic area. Right. I want to protect my kids against a quickly deteriorating school system. It, you know what? It's a great question, and I wish I had an answer for you. Uh, New York, uh, sadly, uh, does not look, does not advocate for our, our children. If you look at, uh, I mean, we'll take Adams, for example. I think uh, Adams is a great example. Next segment, Curtis Lee was going to be joining me, and, and Curtis, throughout his campaign for mayor, uh, he pushed for school choice. He pushed for charter schools. Uh, Adams also, during the campaign, gave lip service to charter schools. But guess what? When he got into office, he stabbed those charter schools in the back. Uh, I'll leave the rest for Curtis there to talk about the actual details of that. But he stabbed them in the back, and he would not get them the funding that they would need. He would not actually advocate to make sure we lifted the regional cap uh, in the city, in in the, the, the lower portion of the state of New York, which would add another 85 to 90 charter schools almost immediately, of which our students really, really need. So I don't, you know, Joe, I don't know how you protect them in the schools, except for the fact that, you know, you have to question, look at the schools, look at the curriculum, see how they're doing, and wonder whether or not these the school in New York that they're at uh, might be the best option for them, or if there are other options, uh, you know, in in other states that are actually looking and saying we want to make sure that our parent parental rights Sometimes are pushed. Like Florida is the only option, you know. What's that? Sometimes I just look at Florida and I'm like, maybe just that's the thing yeah. to do. You know, my, my wife and I talk about that all the time, and, and uh, you know, I, I wish I wish I could tell you that there was a better answer. The only thing I could say is, and it seems like it's a long road in New York, but it's a matter of looking at. Uh, candidates. Uh, I know in New York City it's a little bit different because we don't have school board, uh, but we do have school advocates that that uh, that are on there. But looking at advocates that are pushing for charters, that are pushing for vouchers, and trying to empower them, not just candidates for governor and for mayor and for city council, but all the way to school advocating. But but I appreciate the call, Joe. Thank you very much, and good luck to you and your kids. Let's go to John from Manhattan before we go to a break. John, how you doing this morning? Yes. Hi, Andrew. I, I want to say about Merrick Garland. Yes. The attorney general. I called about six months ago his office in Washington, D.C. I wanted to speak with him, right. but they told me he wouldn't get on the phone or he couldn't. So I had to leave a message. Right. I did leave him a message. Respectful, what, I said. What was the message? Merrick you I said, Merrick Garland, God hates liars. And then I left the message, and I and uh, I spoke to a staffer, and I says, make sure he gets this message. He asked me for my name and phone number. I said to him, you already have my phone number and information. I'm not giving you any more information, I said. You tell him, Merrick Garland, God hates liars. You better stop. 
two days later, my phone didn't work. Well, this is the, this is the truth. Now, yeah. I'm not afraid. I'm not fearful. I know uh, not to be fearful because God says, do not be fearful when you're speaking the truth. And I will call him again, his office. Well, but uh, I am saying that I did call. I am an American citizen and also a veteran. Yeah. And I thank believe you for your, your service, father, your you. father is, on, is speaking the truth also, and so are you. That's why I'm calling not to be recognized for calling his office, Merrick Collins' office, but to let everybody know we need to put God first. Then we don't have to be afraid to stand up to these communist son of a bees, really. And I, I think your father would agree with me. Well, John, I, 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 I would grew up in New York, so I know I know New York City. Well, John, I, I want to thank you first and foremost for your service to our country. And I want to thank you for having the courage to do that. You know, we've seen the retaliation that the DOJ uh, likes to uh, likes to impose on their political opponents, whether it's Rudy Giuliani, whether it's parents at a school board meeting. So thank you for having the courage to do that and make sure that you continue to go out there and hold your public servants accountable. They deserve to be held accountable. They deserve to have the calls. They deserve when you are upset to let them know that you are upset about it through writing, through emails, through calling. Very important. But I appreciate it, John. We'll be right back with Curtis Lee to close this out on this wonderful Friday morning. Uh, well, Friday, I am in love, and as it is Friday morning, uh, it is great to be sitting in for Dominic Carter tonight, who I, uh, this morning, who I hear is in Oklahoma. Um, so, Dominic, I hope you're having a good time there, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to sit behind the mic. So I want to remind people, this Sunday, I've got my own show. I know John Katzmatidis seems to push all the right buttons. For some reason, though, he's giving me the mic. I, I don't know why. I'm sure Curtis will have something to say about that. But this week, we're going to have Elise Stefanik, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, number three, in the house. She's going to be on the show at three o'clock on Sunday. So you're going to make sure you hear that. And also I want to talk. I, I just actually went to uh, Pearl Harbor for the first time uh, on Monday. And then uh, I sit on the board of the U.S. Holocaust Council, which President Trump appointed me to. So I want to talk a little bit about the importance of uh, of education, the importance of teaching this a as we go through a point where our curriculum is changing so much. But we have the one, the only, Curtis Lewa, who's sitting across from me right now. Curtis, on Tuesday night, you know, sometimes we're friends, sometimes we're foes. Sometimes it's all in the same segment, we're friends and foes. But Tuesday night, we were friends because we went to the Ronald Reagan Republican Club in the belly of the beast of the Democratic Socialists of America in Astoria, Queens. And you're opening up these Republican clubs all over the city. Yes, and in Jersey. But before we get to that, 
You took my hour on Sunday, 3 to 4. You took my hour. Yeah, it, it feels so good to take your hour, too. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in the First Amendment, but the opportunity to shut you up for an hour really is, is wonderful. Well, I get four tonight because I was listening to that Mamaluke Frank Morano. <laughs> what, was he drunk last night, guys? The guy was like half in a bag. He's talking about Tommy Schiaccioli. It's like he wants some insanehood. Your father would, would want to... Choke him. <laughs> I'm going to address that tonight. But the guys sound like, man, this guy's been drinking. You know, I, I mean, at 3 o'clock in the morning, Curtis, I mean, what, what, what about you? Do you ever do you ever fall asleep behind the mic yourself? you ever start yeah. just breathing oh, heavily into the mic? And then yeah. I go on autopilot. Yeah. And I just keep talking and talking and talking. <laughs> I've actually fallen asleep while talking on the microphone. <laughs> and then I wake up and say, what the hell was I just talking about? But I just keep going, going, going. But you were right. We were on our way to the Ronald Reagan uh, Republican Club in the heart of the motherland of socialism, Astoria, where AOC, all our crazy, declared just the week before that this is the People's Republic of Astoria in our VFW hall with the flags flying. And on the way, Ranger fans coming out saying, hey, yeah, we're here to do nothing. And that made your day. Yeah, I was a little nervous. He had the cigar before the game lit up. And I was like, hey, easy with the juju Uh, over here. Obviously, two in a row. Two in a row. Smashing Joe Nolan's uh, uh, (laughs) Devils. (laughs) I'm going to be kicking him in the morning. But anyway, the point is, we had about 200 people there. And not all of them Republican. A lot of them moderate Democrats, independents. And we were all brought together because anybody but AOC, anybody yeah. but Caban, anybody but the socialists, we got a great female candidate for city council to uh, oust Caban. Uh, That's Kelly Klingman, yep. mother, two children. She's in real estate. She's been living in Astoria for 12 years, been a Republican, always wanted to run. Now she has a chance to fight for the neighborhood to take it back from the socialists. Well, you know, Curtis, I'm going to be covering throughout the next couple of months on my podcast all of the city council candidates that are in Republican primaries, uh, that are in primaries, to be honest, and give them the opportunity to have the time so that way they can make the pitches. Because you're absolutely right, Curtis. This is not just a matter of getting Republicans out there. It's Democrats who want common sense back. But why, don't, why don't you focus on your podcast and give me my hour back on Sunday? You're not getting it back, Curtis, but we will see you in a couple of minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Giuliani signing off. Curtis Lewa coming on.